I would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the Yagara and the Turbal people as the traditional custodians of Mianjin, the lands on which our clinics are located and where we meet, work and learn. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the Body Track Academy podcast created by EPs for EPs. The podcast will take you on an in-depth understanding of everything an EP is faced with on a day-to-day basis, including clinical, personal and business practices, to ensure you become the best practitioner possible. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you like, share, follow us on whatever streaming service you use to ensure the message spreads and you are notified of any new podcasts or educational resources available to you. Furthermore, if you're not already part of our online academy, head over to Facebook and join the Body Track Academy. Happy listening. Hi, Body Track Academy. It's Jackie here, and I'm joined with Mackenzie. Hi. And today we will be discussing neuroplasticity, what that looks like, and how you can implement that with clients. Um, but first up, welcoming our new EP, Mackenzie, to the podcast. Um, Mackenzie, just say opening question for you, but what got you started as an exercise physiologist? Uh, I started my studies wanting to do a Bachelor of Exercise Science and then move into the Masters of Physiotherapy. Um, but I loved exercise science. I found the more hands-on approach was really enjoyable and then decided to do my Masters in Exercise Physiology instead. Awesome. And it's awesome to have you join the Body Track team. Um, it's been a pleasure working with <laughs> It's been a pleasure working with you as well. Um, what we'll delve in today is around brain health um, and typically the terminology that pops up when people think of optimizing their brain health is neuroplasticity. So the biggest question when that term pops up is what is it exactly? So the definition from the literature is it's the ability of the nervous system to change its activity in response to intrinsic or extrinsic stimuli by reorganizing its structure functions or connections after injury, such as a stroke or traumatic brain injury. Now that's a pretty full-on definition. So Mackenzie, when a client comes to you and that's a point of topic, how do you explain this for terms that are appropriate for them to understand and actually absorb that information? Yeah, so when I would explain neuroplasticity to a client, I would say we're talking about uh, the structural changes in the brain and within the nervous system that result in physical changes for individuals with neurological conditions. So it's a pretty exciting area in practice that we can change the structure of their brain to help achieve physical improvements, particularly with neuropatients. Definitely, and I think an area that needs to be addressed as well is Um, plasticity slows down in adults. So raising the awareness of brain health within our older adult population is crucial. Those who have had a stroke or traumatic brain injury, as well as general population, um, we do see it a lot more research popping up in that neurological condition space. Um, And Mackenzie, you've, you've got a keen interest working with people who've had a stroke, um, what does that timeline usually look like in terms of when they can come back into exercise specifically for their brain health and optimise that that neuroplasticity? Yeah, so I guess historically it's been, a, I guess, 
precautious in how we return to exercise following a stroke um, because of the cardiovascular considerations. But um, research has shown that within those first 48 hours following a stroke, depending on the mechanism of the injury, so whether that's stroke or, or traumatic brain injury, that there is initial damage that kind of happens or involves self-death and, and a loss of certain pathways in the brain um, that is associated with, with those loss in neurons. But the brain attempts to, within those first 48 hours, use, I guess, secondary connections. So they almost alter the, their usual pathways to maintain our, our function. So that can be a really important window. Um, which is quite soon, particularly if, if patients are hospitalised and, and depending on their change of function. And with stroke clients, I guess it is such a broad spectrum of, of how their function changes and how that, that impacts their daily life. But, um, yeah, recent research, recent research does show that those first, first few days are, are quite important in the rehab process. Um, and that can continue on as well. So the following weeks, we they tend to see um, the recruitment of those support cells within the following weeks as well occurs within that post um, two, three, four weeks after the stroke. Um, and those cortical pathways shift from inhibitory to excitatory. Um, and that's kind of where that synaptic plasticity and, and those new connections can be made um, as well. Again, that process continues weeks to months weeks to months after with the stroke as well. So it can continue to remodel itself um, by axonal sprouting, so new connections um, and further reorganisation around the, the damaged area as well. Really good opportunity to show clients that there's a good window for exercise to be implemented in their routine, um, as well as an education point around why it's important. So like Mackenzie said, there are those, again, there are those key windows, but for clients, it's all about strengthening up your neural connections and progressing each day, making small improvements each day um, and accumulating that over time and recognizing that the brain has had damage post-stroke, post-traumatic brain injury. And that will require practice to make progress and strengthen those that neural signaling. Um, Mackenzie, there's a lot of research out there around exercise and brain health, as we've been talking about already. Let's delve a little bit more specifically into the modality of exercise. So the research around aerobic exercise, we know, increases blood flow to the brain. Now, how does that go hand in hand with clients with these neurological conditions. Participation in aerobic exercise is important. Like you mentioned, it increases that blood flow to the brain. It can also change the neurotransmitters released, so the chemicals um, in our brain, and contributes to structural changes in the central nervous system as well. Um, so recent research shows that neurotrophic factors or molecules that help with neuron survival and growth, and more specifically brain-derived neurotrophic factor, um, or we shorten that to BDNF, is a likely contributor for facilitating those improvements, particularly in motor performance. So BDNF is a member of the neurotrophin family of proteins found in the peripheral and central nervous system. Their role is to contribute to neuron development, plasticity, differentiation, and nerve survival in general. 
An aerobic exercise is proposed to promote the expression of this protein throughout the central nervous system, which in turn can kind of enhance that synaptic plasticity we've been talking about. Definitely. And I think that it really reinforces, again, what you've said, Mackenzie, but that tailored exercise has been shown to be neuroprotective, neurorestorative, and neuroplastic. And when I chat with clients around those three terminologies, essentially I explain it as, you know, neuroprotective. We want to keep your strong neural pathways strong for however long, again, from a protective point of view. Neurorestorative being we want to restore those connections that have been damaged. And then neuroplastic is building new ones. And I think that's something that clients are really excited about and hopeful for when they come in to to do sessions is it's around learning something new and building that new that new stimulus again as we mentioned before to create new neural pathways um so Mackenzie my my next follow-up question for you would be we've chatted around the the science behind neuroplasticity for those exercise physiologists out there, um, how do we prescribe exercise to enhance rehabilitation? So there have been um, a few studies, some systematic reviews as well on this. Their protocols aren't completely clear, but there is some really interesting trends coming from that data. So in terms of exercise volume, there was a systematic review that looked at 10 studies, um, and part of that review showed that five studies did show an increase in BDNF after exercise. Five of those didn't, but the trends in the groups that didn't were quite interesting. So in terms of exercise volume, the studies that showed no significant difference in BDNF levels had an average volume of hours spent exercising over the length of their uh, testing or their program protocol was around the 12-hour mark. Um, in the studies that did show a statistic, statistically significant change in BDNF, the average volume of hours spent exercising was 20 hours over the uh, length of the program. So quite an interesting trend and quite a big difference in total volume um, that we'd consider. Um, the study did look at a singular bout of exercise as well, and, and they linked that to the intensity of exercise. Um, so again, of those studies investigating that single bout of exercise, there were three that showed a significant increase in BDNF immediately after that exercise session, um, and two that showed no change. But of those three that did show a change in BDNF, the exercise intensity was at high, a high level. Um, and those that didn't show a change in BDNF immediately post were at that lower level as well, or low to moderate um, intensity. So quite interesting in terms of the intensity required to get those changes in BDNF, and also I think a consideration in post-stroke clients as well is that it's potentially something we need to balance in terms of what intensity is safe for them to work at and how can we get the most out of their training. So, yeah, those those findings don't outline set protocols for us for that training mode yet. Um, but are there any protocols you've found, Jackie, or that you work with with your clients? Yeah, I think you've touched on some really good points, Mackenzie. Um, and we'll also link all of the research papers in the 
description below these podcasts so that anyone that's curious and wants to read further about these studies, you have that um, available to you. Yes, Mackenzie, there's a there's a paper in that was released in 2013 that delved into promoting neuroplasticity for motor re- rehabilitation after stroke. Um, and their findings concluded that um, there was a large positive effect on cognitive function and increase in BDNF levels when exercise training sessions included aerobic exercise sessions of more than 30 minutes. So I suppose that goes hand in hand with your study around the volume. Um, It also delved into the training intensities of approximately 70% heart rate max. Again, this is very dependent on the individual that comes in to see yourselves, um, as well as a frequency of four days per week in combination of aerobic and resistance exercises. Um, So it dabbles in with your, again, volume, intensity, modality, and frequency. So really, really important. Um, Again, screening the individual in front of you, whether they be post-stroke, whether they be any other neurological conditions, um, to choose that, again, modality, but intensity appropriately. Um, It was very interesting as well. So these researchers um, found that performing aerobic exercise immediately prior to motor training may facilitate improvements in motor function by capitalizing on aerobic exercise induced increases in the capacity of neuroplasticity. That being said, um, it also delved into having that be a window of around one hour post performing this aerobic exercise being the optimal window. Um, They actually delved in a little bit more that alternatively aerobic exercise performed immediately after motor training can facilitate motor memory consolidation process. So again, using your clinical judgment, what will be the best to optimize your client's health achieve their goals and biggest key takeaway would be that education side having them understand how this is helping their health optimizes their health um so Mackenzie and I have really only touched scratched the surface with neuroplasticity and in neurological conditions um in another podcast in the near future We will be putting the research into clinical practice and delving in a little bit more into the principles around neuroplasticity and how, as exercise physiologists, we can use the research and and put it into practice um, and how that may vary from each client. So that will come up sometime where we'll delve into some case studies as well. But to wrap up the podcast for today, um, Mackenzie, is there anything that you would any advice that you would give our listeners as new grads, um, EPs going into the neurological rehabilitation space, that any advice that you would give them before they see clients? Yeah, I guess an important thing, particularly with neurological clients, is they present so differently. So really listening to what's what's important 
to them how they're presenting in front of you, whether it's at the initial session or each day when they rock up, that that can be different too between each week. Um, so, yeah, really listening to what's important to them, meeting them where they're at on the day and, yeah, being creative with it as well. And that's potentially another thing we can touch on um, is that fun and engagement can contribute to those changes in BDNF and, and impact the rehabilitation process as well. So I think making things enjoyable and, and individualised to the client in front of you is, is an important part of practising in neurological clients. Couldn't agree more, Mackenzie. Um, thank you again for joining me. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. So remember to share, like, or follow to keep updated with all our podcasts and educational resources.